Hi there. Today you're listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich. This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Join me as I share some practical applications of the fruit of the Spirit. Here is where you can learn tools to cultivate things like love when you find your son sitting in paint, joy while cleaning up the paint, and peace in more areas besides just hiding in the bathroom. Yes, it is possible to love God, love others, and enjoy it. Hello, and welcome to episode 23, The Joy of the Lord. This title comes from Nehemiah 8.10, where we've heard the phrase, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And to start this episode off, I want to read that entire verse to you. It says, Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Isn't that an encouraging verse, an encouragement to stop grieving and choose to bask in the joy of the Lord as your strength? To provide a little context before we get started into this podcast episode, I want to set the stage for what was really going on in the life of Nehemiah and the people when he made this statement. In the story that's found in the book of Nehemiah, Ezra found the book of the law, the law of Moses, and the people of Israel asked him to read it to them. And so he did. He read the book of the law of Moses to the people at their request. And when they heard the law and all of the things that were written in the law, the requirements that they needed to follow the words that God had said, they took extra uh, time to understand it. They had people explain it and go through it in great detail so that all of the people were thoroughly understanding what it said. And then they were tempted to be discouraged and sad. Why? Well, because there were things that they hadn't been doing or that they didn't know they hadn't remembered. And all of a sudden the weight of everything that they needed to be following was sort of put on their shoulders. And in that moment, they were tempted to grieve and be sad. But Nehemiah pointed out to those people, Nehemiah and Ezra who worked together hand in hand pointed out that this was a holy day. Because they had listened to and understood God's word. It was also the beginning of a feast and they were choosing to celebrate the feast where they hadn't before. They realized they needed to be celebrating it. They were tempted to grieve the fact that they hadn't been celebrating. And Nehemiah encouraged them and said, wait, no, no, no. This is a day because now we know this is a holy day, a day. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's focus on that and move forward from there. So that's the setting of this story where Nehemiah encourages the Israelites to focus on the joy of the Lord and how that will be their strength in the day and in the years to come. I today want to talk about how this applies to us. What exactly is the joy of the Lord and why is it our strength, and how do we use it 
as a strength, as something that helps energize us. Those are the things that we want to talk about today. So as we get started, just in case you are tempted to separate this word joy from the concept of happy, I want to encourage you what this word in Hebrew actually means. I probably will butcher the pronunciation, but the Hebrew word for joy in this context is shedva. I don't know if that's the right pronunciation, but it's C-H-E-D-V-A-H, shedva. And it means joy or gladness. Gladness like I'm happy. I'm I'm not only happy inside, deep down in my soul, which is where we apply joy sometimes, but I'm also outwardly happy, genuinely glad, like a smile on my face, having fun, kind of happy. So I encourage you not to dismiss the joy of the Lord as just something that is deep, but because while it is that, it very much is a deep joy in our soul. It also includes choosing to act like we're having a good time, like we're happy, like things are going the way we want them to. And then secondly, we're going to talk about why is it my strength and how to use it. You know, in short, the true joy of the Lord creates possibility, hope, and life and motivation to keep going. It It's something that empowers us by bringing in energy into a situation where we were tempted to feel tired, weary, and discouraged before. So the best way to get at this entire subject is to start with just reminding you that I have been speaking on joy. This would be the fourth episode that we've done on joy. So if you want more practical ways of how to incorporate joy into your life, then I encourage you to check out episode 20, which is a secret to easy joy, where we talked about how joy is actually a byproduct of other actions that you take. And there is so much joy as a default um reaction to various ways that we keep the commitments that we've made. So if you haven't checked that out, go check that one out. Also in episode 21, where we talked about joy sappers, the number one joy sapper and how to stop it. We talked about how sometimes we allow things to continue in our life that block us from the natural joy that's available. That joy would come in if we would focus on getting this this block out of the way. And then in episode 22, which is called Happy Living, we discussed practical ways to enhance joy and make it more fulfilling and teach our brains that we actually like the process of finding joy, using joy, experiencing joy, maintaining a joyful life. There's all kinds of ideas in there for how to do that well. This episode is primarily to help you see that joy is your superpower in Christ Jesus. And if you want the energy to persevere, if you want the courage to take a risk, if you want that dead set lock on into a relationship 
that no matter what the other person throws at you, that the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength and shield. And you're going to be able to build love genuinely into that relationship. Then you're going to want to keep listening. So one of the things that I think is interesting because I go, I like to go back and look at examples of where people apply the joy of the Lord as their strength and One of the examples that comes quickly to mind is the story of Paul and Barnabas showing joy as they sang in jail. If you'll remember the story in the New Testament, Paul and Barnabas had been imprisoned and their jails certainly weren't anywhere as posh as our Western civilization prisons and jails of today. Um, They were in quite a different situation comparatively. But they, in jail, while in a miserable circumstance, decided to sing. And as a result, were a testimony to the other people in the jail, even the guards. And this is not just Paul and Barnabas that chose this direction for them or this attitude. There are countless others who have done the same thing over the centuries. We have so many recorded evidences of in history of people celebrating and praising the Lord and genuinely being able to enter into a an attitude of gladness even in the midst of incredible suffering, suffering that some of us haven't even come anywhere close to experiencing. Their joy was the superpower that bolstered their faith in the midst of severe difficulty. And that's what's available to us. Consider them in that prison. What was the alternative for them besides singing for joy? Well, they could have chosen discouragement. This wasn't really what they planned on doing. This doesn't really get them to where they wanted to go. How does this really show Christ's love to other people? They could talk about how they were physically being mistreated or not fed properly or have sores or dealing with rats or, you know, they could focus on all the circumstantial struggles. They could have chosen hopelessness, right? That, well, here I am in prison. There's nothing else I can do. I give up. There's not really anybody that's going to be able to fix this. They could have chosen cynicism. Well, I guess this is what I get for preaching the gospel. Or have you ever been tempted to feel like that, um, that having joy And communicating gladness would just feel like you weren't completely and fully acknowledging that the circumstances that you're in are hard and difficult. You know, I think that choosing joy in the midst of difficult circumstances is not ignoring the fact that the circumstances are difficult. It's actually acknowledging that the circumstances are quite difficult and that you're suffering. And at the same time, you're choosing not to let that define who you are, who you're called to be, what you're choosing to do, the action that you're going to take and your set of soul. That is what choosing joy in those moments is all about. 
But if we choose this discouragement or hopelessness or cynicism, what do we, what possible fruit do those attitudes have? Well, one fruit that that develops is, is actually comes from pride. When we are discouraged or we're hopeless, there's actually a pride that sets in. What it is, is it's, I'm right. This is awful. I'm right about it being awful. And I get to focus on how awful it is. There's a pride about being right. We like to be right. There's so many different areas where we like to be right. Think about the last argument you had and how hard you were willing to argue your point. However, however important the subject matter is, whether it's, you know, something that is a safety issue, like, no, you're not going to run out in the road. I don't care how how sure you are that you won't get hit by a car, which would be a really important argument. Or don't we sometimes argue about the simplest things, like whether or not it should be my job to take out the trash or your job to take out the trash? Or whether or not I left the light on last or you left the light on last? These silly arguments, we stay in them because of pride. We like to be right. Discouragement lends us towards this idea that I get to feel validated. I've worked hard. This is terrible. I get to be right about working hard, and this is terrible. Sometimes we also really revel in the idea that we're right and this is somebody else's fault and therefore there's nothing I can do. You see, if I claim defeat, I may be miserable, but I absolve myself from any responsibility. I can sit back. I can slack off. No courage needs to be mustered because it's not up to me to be able to fix it. I have to wait for somebody else to get their act together in order for the situation to change. So no perseverance is necessary Circumstances can happen to me, and I am no longer required to participate in solving the problem. That's one of the ways that we get stuck in pride. Pride, we play the victim so that we can sit in our pride and comfortable uh, sort of, I've done all I can do. I did my part, and there's nothing more that I can can do or say to make the situation any different. You know, when we grow weary, when we've been at something for a really long time, when we have persevered through a difficult situation or a tough relationship or conflict, this attitude can be very tempting. Well, I've done all I can do with this relationship. Basically, I've just got to wait for them to change. Even in our discouragements, we long for any action sometimes to be somebody else's responsibility. But can I just interrupt that for you for just a minute and remind you that, dear friend, you are Christian. And like it or not, as a Christian that acknowledges that you are a follower of Christ, that's what a Christian is. I'm choosing to be a follower of Christ. I'm choosing him not only as my savior, but as my Lord. And by default, that means I am acknowledging that he's in charge. He's commanded me to be a witness to other people, 
So if I identify as a believer in Christ Jesus, then like it or not, I'm telling others how I live my life and what is possible through the work of Jesus Christ in my life. What strength is available through belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and his rule over my life. There's not an option to identify as a Christian and not be sending some sort of message about what Christ is capable of doing in your life. You know, unbelievers can't exactly tell when you are deciding simply to not pick up the tools and weapons you have available or whether they just don't appear to work. It, they, don't, they don't know what's going on. They just see, hmm, they said they're a Christian, but they're miserable. I don't want to be that way. If that's what Christianity looks like, I'm not having it. Or maybe they see that you are a believer. Maybe they see that you have pretty strict values and standards, but they hear you complain all the time. Well, there's a lot of people who are longing to see that their life is better. And if we are, if our testimony is that we still have a right to fuss and complain about everything that isn't working in our life all the time, what kind of testimony does that say about the tools and weapons that we have been given by God to overcome all of those things, all that discouragement? The joy of the Lord is our strength. If you're a believer, you're called to live a life of testimony of Christ's work in you. So I lovingly encourage you to pick up your weapons. And one of them is the joy of the Lord. It's that muscle behind the punch or the energy behind continuing to walk or run in this race for Jesus. It's the strength to get back up when you fall. How is it strength? Well, let me give you an illustration from my own life. Last year was one of the hardest, most stressful years ever, I would say, in our family's life. And yet you can ask my husband, I was thriving. Why? Well, because of a steady focus, a choice I made over and over again to continually focus on the joy of the Lord. Yes, it was all him. He provides the tools. He gives us the gift. But we have to choose to do something with it. And so those choices become the way that we use this gift as our strength. And so when I was continually focused on the joy of the Lord, focused on his power, on his workings, on his goodness, and on collecting every single scrap of evidence that he was working in my life, then I was able to feel genuinely encouraged, like life was working, like he was taking good care of me, and be able to give testimony of that to other people in my life. That doesn't mean that I never experienced moments of weariness or sadness or um wondered what in the world was happening next. But I would say overall, the overall result, the average was that I was in a place of trust. Now, it sounds really great theoretically to say, yes, the, the 
one of the weapons that I have is the joy of the Lord and it's my strength and I'm going to use that in a difficult circumstance. That, But it's really vague, isn't it? It's like, well, how do you lasso that joy and pull it down and do something with it? I have a tendency to want really tangible ways to apply these principles. So I'm going to give you some that I did. One of them was... I sat down on the couch one night in the middle of the night when I was noticing my tendency to get back into discouragement on a regular basis. So this one night when I couldn't sleep in the middle of the night, went out, got on the couch, opened up my computer, and I searched for a good long while to create a new playlist on my phone of uplifting music. I dug around for songs that could bring the focus back to the greatness of God, to focus on who I am in Christ, on what's possible, on who he's made me to be, on my calling, on how he's in charge, and definitely some peppy tunes, something that just revives my energy and lifts my spirit. So some of that involved words, some of it involved the type of music Some of it involved uh, memories that I had around songs. Maybe they wouldn't speak to somebody else about the strength of the joy of the Lord. But because of a memory I had in the past, that song would speak to me of the joy of the Lord and encourage me. So I created this long playlist. And then every time I was alone and my mind started to wander towards worry or panic, I hit the play button. If I was taking a walk and I was by myself and my mind started to slip into, I don't know how this is going to work out and I don't have this answer or that answer, play. If I was discouraged about some situation with the children's schooling and I wasn't sure how to be able to do it well and how to steward their schooling well, and I was mulling over and over and starting to feel inadequate, play, I'd hit the play button to get my mind off of my circumstances and focus back on who God was. Another way I practically applied the joy of the Lord that greatly increased my ability to continue moving forward, even when we didn't know what in the world we were going to do, I took regular time to talk to God. Now, this probably in the Christian world goes without saying, to have your devotions and read your Bible and pray. But... When I mean, when I talk about talking to God, what I mean is to really delve into telling him completely what I needed, what I was longing for, what I didn't understand, much like a child does to their parent when they're scared. If you've ever seen or been a child who has been afraid to go on stage for their first performance, if you've ever been a person who sits down to play the piano at a performance or some other instrument or something, and you can't hardly press the keys down because your fingers are shaking so bad or the equivalent of whatever else instrument or whatever else you might be doing in front of people. If you've ever been in a situation where you felt the need to explain fully to your parents just how much you want to throw up before you go and do that next scary thing. That's the kind of conversation that I would have with God in telling him just how sick to my stomach I felt about it. 
you know, trusting the Lord doesn't mean that we don't ever, we aren't ever tempted to worry. What it means is that we continually over and over again, bring that back to God. God, I feel sick to my stomach, but I trust you. God, I don't know how this is going to get solved and I'm nervous about it, but I trust you. God, I see this big need and I don't know how this is going to be met, but I believe you that you're taking care of us and that you meet our needs. And we continually come back and say what we need and that we do trust him. And then spending time thanking him for ways that he has met our needs. Making sure that we acknowledge the areas of our lives where he is showing up. Have you ever been a parent who maybe you give your child a gift and they don't act especially grateful? How likely are you to be thrilled to give them the next gift? Not so much. Well, I don't think God is necessarily stingy, but I do think sometimes he teaches us lessons about gratefulness. And I definitely wanted to be not only, I didn't want to insult God for the ways that he was meeting our needs, but if I am not in the practice of noticing when he's giving me good gifts, then there's going to be good gifts that come along that I don't realize, that I don't acknowledge. And how sad is that to be given a bunch of presents and you don't even realize it? So one way that I acknowledged the goodness of God in my life is I bought a giant post-it pad and I pasted pages of it to my bedroom wall. One said something about how God's abundance doesn't disappear just because my circumstances changed. I love that phrase. God's abundance does not disappear just because our circumstances change. He didn't lose all his cattle on the thousand hills because we can't see them. They're still there. And we can trust him. Another one of my big post-it notes in my bedroom said a list of ways that God showed up and met needs and things I was thankful for. And it was a growing list. I put the title up at the top of the page and then, you know, a few things that I could think of right off the top of my head. And then as I would go through my days, if something came to mind, I would go back there and write it on my list. I put it on the wall because I didn't just want it in a journal locked in a drawer or tucked away in a, in a dresser or a cabinet or a closet. I needed those reminders of just how many ways God was showing up for me in my face every single day. And if you were getting your butt kicked in circumstances, I encourage you to stick some post-it paper up on the wall and start listing out all the ways that God is showing up in your life, contributing to you, bringing joy, meeting your needs. I'm telling you, if you need $10,000 and you don't acknowledge the 500 that you get, it's really difficult to get to a place where you will acknowledge the 10,000. You will you develop a habit of ungratefulness and won't see it. So put it where you can see it. Another way that I did this was I focused on the ways that God was meeting the needs of others and thanked him for their successes. And so another paper that I had on my wall was other people that God is helping, that I can see. 
Because when I can't necessarily see God doing work in my own life, a lot of times I can see God doing work in another person's life. But if I'm not careful, the way that comes out is jealousy. That I notice that they're getting something that I want. And it's easy to jump towards jealousy and not acknowledge it as God's goodness. And again, if we're in the habit of seeing it as jealousy, then we see it as lack in our own life and we don't notice when it shows up because we're too busy searching for the lack because of our attitude of jealousy. And so I put a note up there. Okay, here are the people that I see God meeting needs in their lives. This person had a really easy move. This person had a breakthrough with their child. This person told me that God met a financial need. This person told me that, you know, their relationship with their husband was totally different now. And all these different successes and ways that God was meeting the needs of others. And it helps me on the days that I can't see God in my own life. I can look over there and say, oh, but there he's working. And so he's still on the job. Evidence that he's still on the job. The joy of the Lord is something that God provides. He does provide it. It's available to us. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's available to us each and every second of every single day. But we must choose to take hold of it and actually use it in our lives. Just like a soldier, for instance, is issued a weapon when he goes off to war There he has his weapon and he's out there, but he has to choose whether or not he's just going to lug the thing around, drag it behind him, let it get dusty and rusted and ineffective, or whether he's going to choose to keep it cleaned off, keep it ready, pick it up and use it to shoot the enemy. He gets to choose whether or not he uses that weapon or not. And friends, we have this amazing tool of the joy of the Lord that is available to us. We have this weapon against discouragement that can be our strength, but we have to choose to use it. The joy of the Lord is your strength, not might be, not maybe, not could be available to you someday when things start going a little better. No. It is your strength today. The question is, will you pick it up and use it today? How do you pick it up and use it? What is one of these ways that I've mentioned that you will choose to apply the joy of the Lord in your life today? Either from this episode or from one of the last three, I encourage you to pick one and start applying it. Just like that soldier cleaning off his gun and he is ready to shoot the enemy and he's going to go out there and fight that battle. This is a battle for the Lord. We are witnesses and testimonies for Christ to other people. And the way we do that is demonstrate that hope is real, that joy is possible. That means we got to pick up our weapon and use it every single day. So I hope and encourage you to... Choose one of these ways to apply it to your life and let me know uh, on the fruitpursuitpodcast.com. You can comment, leave me a, leave me a review or let me know how you are choosing to apply joy today. I'd love to hear from you. You know, 
if one of these um, actions isn't quite enough for you, one of the ways you can take action is to apply for one of our joy and peace breakthrough calls. We have a few spots left. So you can get on a call with me that is specifically designed to help you get clear on what practical joy and peace can look like in your family life in the year 2020. Maybe it's some accountability to apply some of these techniques every single day. Or maybe there's something completely different that needs to be addressed that would change your way of being able to experience the joy of the Lord. Whatever it is, we can discover what that number one thing stopping you from having this regular happiness and gladness in your life is. And then we can complete the call with excitement, knowing exactly the next steps to take to have a happy and content family that you're really longing for. We can get you started on that journey for 2020. You, all you need to do is apply for this call at maryaldrichcoaching.com slash apply. That's maryaldrichcoaching.com slash apply. But you need to hurry because there's only a few spots left before the end of the year. And you're going to want to get started on this game plan in 2020 that we're creating right away. It's absolutely free. And just because it's the Christmas season when I'm shooting out this podcast, As a bonus for applying for one of these free calls, I'll also send you a free digital copy of my Daily Fruit Juice Journal. It has 365 days of simple journal prompts to help you apply the fruit of the spirit more practically into your everyday life. And you can use this with your kids too. If you're longing to see your kids develop the fruit of the spirit into their lives, If you see that they really need more self-control or more joy or more peace in their life, this is a great tool to use with them because these prompts make great, simple conversation starters and valuable discussions for you and your family. So you can use it for yourself and it's a great time to start at the beginning of the year to focus just a little bit on the fruit of the spirit every single day. You can use it with your family as a way so that all of you can incorporate this into your lives. So that's my free gift to you for applying for one of these calls. That is also a free gift to you, double free gifts. And again, that's maryaldrichcoaching.com slash apply. Hey, thanks for joining me on today's episode of all about joy and how we can have the joy of the Lord. I hope during this holiday season that you are finding little moments to fully apply this tool to your life so that we can remember just what God came to save us from, not just into eternal life, but that abundant life in Christ each and every day. It is possible to love God, love others, and enjoy it every single day. All right, that's all for today. I look forward to talking with you next week in the new year. Until then, take care. You've been listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich, a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. To hear more great ways of growing your mindset in the fruit of the Spirit, please subscribe. You can listen to other episodes and find additional resources at 
fruitpursuitpodcast.com. To learn more about Mary Aldrich and the coaching work she is so passionate about, visit maryaldrichcoaching.com. And by the way, what one next step are you taking today?